Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. Thank you again for joining us today. And I'm dying to hear what you guys think of my interviews for 2023. I have had some new topics on here. I'm excited. I can't wait to learn. I learned from all of my guests and today's going to be no exception. I am super excited to introduce to you my new online friend, Robin Polak. Nice to meet you, Robin. How are you? Hi, nice to meet you too. Thank you for having me. I just want to dive in today and let you know a little bit about who Robin is. So Robin Polak, she is an intuitive life coach and number one best-selling author of Trust Your Intuition, a guide to authentic life. She's a speech pathologist and has 30 years experience and became an intuitive life coach soon after she realized the way that these magical gifts contributed to her work with her speech clients, which I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that. Sounds intriguing. Robin is passionate about helping her clients move past judgment and begin to create empowered change, which creates positive momentum in how they live every single day. And you guys know that on my show, one of the most incredible things, one of my most favorite topics is how to live, talk about life purpose. And I want to know how this all falls in together. So I'm excited to learn more about what intuitive healing is. So thank you, Robin. Thank you. I'm so glad that you could be here with us today. It's a pleasure. It's really a pleasure. And it's interesting because when I listen to you talk about it and I think about all the things, I um, think about my journey and, and sort of just how it all just like unfolded. And when I think about that, I think about how it divinely unfolded. Mm -hmm. It's sort of just divinely unfolded. And, you know, when you're younger, you hear about something and you think about it and you really look at it from a certain perspective, like what you understand about it. And I guess that's really what happened to me with speech. Like, you know, originally I went into nursing and um, it really wasn't for me. And I was in, sitting in one of these classes and I mean, talked about it in the book. And it was just one of these classes where, you know, like what medical profession do you want to be and la, la, la. And it was really boring, honest to God. It was going on for about a half an hour. It was a two-hour class. And all I really wanted to do is talk to the guy that was about three seats away from me and go get a beer. I really wasn't interested anymore in what anybody was saying because so far the conversations that of the professors that were up there were really just boring, to be very honest. And all of a sudden I get this like 
voice in my head, which I get from time to time, telling me, you know, like, no voice is too small to be heard. <clears throat> and so I'm now paying attention. And this woman in the front is talking about and acting as though she was on the spectrum autistic. And so I thought, oh, you know, and she's talking about this and she's saying, you know, can you imagine being trapped in your body, but having a mind that works and not being able to express it? And all I could think to myself is, oh my God, that sounds horrific. Like, could there be anything like worse than that? I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine. And so like for the past 38 years, I've been a speech pathologist actually working with people because of that, because of that mission. But along the way, I sort of realized that that no voice is too small to be heard was a very um, literal expression of what that was. And I think really... It is about speech pathology, but I think what it was really more telling me was to listen to my own. And I think that we as individuals in the world are really brought up to look and see somebody else's viewpoint to either please them or get acknowledgement that what we're doing is good. And we're sort of brought up that way from the time that we're born, from the time that we first learn how to cry and we shape our cry to change it so that we can get other things. Maybe we can get picked up. Maybe we can get held. Maybe we can get played with. And then very quickly you learn, you know, from the eye contact that you get from your parents, that that crying isn't really very pleasurable for them. So you stop or maybe that they like it. So you do more of it or that you do something like this and they laugh and you say, oh, this is a good thing. So you do more of that. And then that keeps going and it goes into school and you get gold stars and you get check marks and all of these things right and you figure like oh you navigate through all the the praise or ridicule that you get right and you sort of just find that way through all of that to sort of become who you are except the thing about it is is that the older you get the less feedback you get you ever notice that like the older you get, the less people actually tell you what you're supposed to be doing or how to do it. And when you think about it, it should be that way, right? Because we, we should figure it out for ourselves, right? But in the meantime, when you think about it, like <clears throat> nobody actually ever taught us that. They're kind of sort of just pulling back on the feedback, hoping that you get the memo that you're supposed to actually give your own feedback. And most of us figure it out and we sort of learn how to do it. But some of us, somewhere along the way, feel like we're not sure if we can really trust ourselves. We're not really sure if we can really rely on our own opinions, our own thoughts to really make those choices and decisions. And it goes to really minuscule things. Like how many times do you go into a dressing room and see some woman popping her head out of the dressing room and asking everybody who she doesn't know whether or not they like the shirt because she can't, she doesn't really trust herself enough to decide it for herself. And I started to think about this and I thought how sad it kind of is that we can't really like rely on ourselves to make these little decisions. But if I asked any one of you who are listening right now, if you were in an emergent situation, if something was happening that was really like terrible, every one of you would tell me that you just decided. You would just know 
what you're supposed to do. You wouldn't check with anybody else. You wouldn't ask anybody else. You would just go. And it didn't make a difference if it was like somebody was sick or the pipe burst in your toilet. You would know what you're supposed to be doing. And you wouldn't second guess yourself. So why is it when it's not emergent, do we second guess ourselves? And when it is, we just act. And I think it's because you don't have the time. When you don't have the time to second guess yourself, you act on intuition. And the truth is, intuition is a birthright. It's something that we're all born with. It's something that we all have. And I honestly think that over time, we're sort of almost talked out of trusting it. That instead, we think that, you know how many years I thought I was a really good writer and everybody told me I wasn't because I didn't do punctuation really well? Meantime, when you're a writer, punctuation is the least important thing to do. That's why they have editors. You know? So I when you think about it, so many years I wasn't writing because I thought I wasn't a writer because I never knew where the comma went. And then in the end of the day, I write the book and I wasn't supposed to worry about that. Somebody else was supposed to worry about that. So when you think about the feedback that we get and how we use that to steer our lives, maybe that's not the best way to be doing it. Maybe our instinct of what we actually really want to be doing, the thing that really excites us, the thing that we're really passionate about is really where we need to put all our energy in. And I think when you get to a certain age, or if you are a mature person, you know, some people figure this stuff out earlier than others, right? And you sort of realize that you don't have to actually listen to all those people. But let me just tell you that the world will tell you things about that too. They'll tell you you're rebellious. They'll tell you you're resistant. They'll tell you you're crazy. They'll tell you that you're weird. When you start to not listen to what the rest of the world is doing, when you start thinking about things the way you believe it to be. And all I have to say is weird's a good thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> weird's a great thing because weird means that you took the time to think about it on your own and not just swallow the information that's being presented to you. So I say yay for weird. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's perfect is boring. Weird is interesting. I always say that too. Oh my goodness, what an amazing start to this conversation. So you said so many things in there. I try to remember a bit of everything that you said. <laughs> but you're so right. The way that you put it. Okay, so... When I'm trying on a shirt in a dressing room, for example, you were talking about that. I think we, down deep, we know if we like it or not instantly, but we're always seeking approval of other people, right? And it's, we're, I don't know if we're just afraid to, because, to decide because we think there's a wrong and a right, but we base our wrong and a right on other people's opinions because why does it matter so much so i think it's a great thing when we grow up and we don't pay attention to other people's thinking but then we really need to step it up and learn to do it ourselves like you said and i think i've never really heard it said that way and it makes a lot of sense it really does and you know you were talking about how it's almost like 
we learn to be manipulative, right? When we're young. Or manipulated. Yes. (laughs) Because it's like, we do things based on the reactions we get, right? Yeah. And when we don't get those reactions when we grow up, then kind of lost, right? So I think this is great. I think we do need to... But I have to just comment on that. And that is survival. Mm. That's built into our gene pool of survival, right? I mean, when you look at animals in the in the wild kingdom, they learn what to do, what not to do to keep safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, honestly, um, when you're a baby, learning how to read your parents, like nobody teaches you how to do that. I mean, so think about how smart a baby is to be able to learn how to read from their parents' expression, their tone, their voice, what's good, what's not good, and then shift and change it. Because if anybody's been around a baby, like a newborn baby, and then you go back and you meet that baby again in another month, you all of a sudden realize that baby now has like six different cries. Mm. Like how amazing is that, that they just learn that? They learn the one for hunger, the one for bored, the one for pick me up, the one for I don't want to sit here anymore, the one for do it again. I mean, they they learn all these different things just by being with you for that month. They start to learn all of that. So a lot of that is like normal development. And it's important to have that normal development to be able to evolve, right? The thing about it is, is that somewhere along the way, we use that crutch of seeking out everybody else's approval because the basic bottom line is that we're not trusting ourselves to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. So we, we continue to rely on someone on the outside. So true. We all do what it. we feel on the inside. Yeah, we all do it. And it is very sad because we lose mm-hmm. ourselves in, in that in all those years that we're doing that. Yeah, and I think it's also about, um, I really think that the real truth of it is, is that when you don't value yourself as being enough Mm. to make those choices, you think that somebody else's choices are better than yours. Yeah. Wow. So everybody is, so intuition is in, like, is part of everybody. Does it I show think so. up? Yeah. yeah, me too. Does it show up in different ways for different people? Oh, totally. Yeah. And that's why I gave you that intuitive test because you might find it that you are hypersensitive to sound or that you even get tones in your ear and you always wonder like what's going on. And some of you have probably even gone to the doctor and they've told you you have tinnitus and this, that, and the other thing. And that might be true. And some of them will tell you, well, I don't see anything wrong with you. Meantime, you still have this tone that happens every so often in your ear. And it's because of the way that you perceive information. It's the way that you're reading that information. Some of it, some people have it with sight, like, and not necessarily what you're actually seeing, but what you're not seeing. You get a sense of the fact that you can, that there's something going on. You get a, a, a perception about a room that you're in with the people that are in the room. You get a sense of, of what's happening. Other people do it with emotions. They can feel the emotions in a room. As you step into the room, you can sort of feel the tension. And I'm just going to tell you something. I want everybody to think for a second about a time 
when you walked into a party and you opened the door and you walked into the party and you're like, oh, this is not going to be as good as I thought it was going to be today. You just walk in and you feel that energy in the room mm -hmm. and you go, oh, well, maybe we won't stay as long as I thought, you know, because you just sort of get the sense of the fact that it's just not going to be so great. And then there are other times you walk into a room and you get the sense that this is going to be a great time, right? Mm -hmm. So what's that? That's your ability to perceive the information. That's intuition. And you do it also with people, people you meet, right? You have a conversation with somebody right on the get-go. You love the person. Other people right on the get-go, you're like, uh, I got to go to the bathroom. Like you just don't want to continue the conversation. You're looking for a way out. And there's no reason. They haven't done anything to you. You just kind of don't really want to be there, right? And you get this like sixth sense that mm, this isn't for me. What people right. would normally call like their gut feeling. Yes. But there's so much more to that. Like we're, we're learning right now. Yes. And it's okay if you call it your gut feeling because it doesn't matter what you call it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you can call it your intuition. You can call it your gut feeling. I find that people have a hard time calling it intuition who aren't necessarily spiritual. They feel that they need to be religious or spiritual, or they need to walk around with crystals around their neck or something like that in order to really believe in the spirituality of it all. And the truth of it is, is that what doesn't matter what you call it? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make a difference. You know, we have a gut instinct about pretty much everything. If I asked you what your favorite flavor of ice cream is, right now you're going to know what the flavor is. You're just going to know it. And every time you have that flavor, it reaffirms the fact that that's your favorite flavor. And you just know it. It's not like somebody sent you a memo. Nobody sent you an email. You just knew. As soon as you tasted it, that was it. That was your flavor. You just know it. Mm -hmm. And it's, so it can be something as simple as ice cream or it's something more complicated. You know, and um, I don't know about you, if you ever had this happen to you, but, you know, you you set in, in motion that you're going to meet somebody for lunch and you just get the sixth sense as you make the thing and you're writing it in your calendar and you go, oh, this is it's probably not going to happen. Mm. You just know. It's not like anybody said anything or did anything different than you've done a thousand times before, but you just got a sense of the fact that eh, it's not going to, it's not going to, not going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. You're like, yeah, I knew it. Knew it wasn't going to happen, right? And But we don't trust that at the beginning. And the only way that you learn how to trust it at the beginning, instead of like seeing it at the end, say, oh, see, I knew it wasn't going to happen. Mm. The way you learn how to trust it at the beginning is you start to make note of those things. You start to notice, oh, look at that. Like I actually knew that. Look, look at that. I actually got that information before it even happened. Like I just knew. Like you said, pay attention. Yes. Yeah. I love those two words because it's not a matter of do we have intuition? It's the trust. This is what we're talking about, right? Sure. And just paying attention, paying attention to a lot of different things, not only the patterns, but just hindsight, like you're saying, and just pay attention to how often your 
opinions or your decisions are made by what others tell you you need to do, right? Right. And then I think, I just think that you're really going to live your life so much more true to who you really are once you do learn to trust, because you're really living a life that is decided by other people until you start to do that. It's a good point. When you pay attention too much to, I mean, it is important to, I think, take in the opinions of other people, but not to make decisions by those. I think it's important to listen Mm -hmm. to what other people are saying, but not necessarily to sway what your beliefs are based on what other people are saying. Yeah, very good point. You know? Mm -hmm. It's so important because I, I think a lot of us are not trusting well, I think that's the reason why a lot of people who are are very hesitant about becoming entrepreneurs, mm. because it's this idea that you have of that's something that you can do. It's not like a sure thing that you're working for a company, that you're making a certain salary, that it's like a something you can really like count on. It's this idea that you have that, right? But it's what's interesting, and it's a risk that you're taking on yourself. Mm really to succeed. But the way that you get around that, because you could say, well, you know, you could have a great idea and a great thought, but if you don't know how to market yourself and you don't know how to do, you're not going to succeed. And some of that's true. But if you allow yourself to be taken in, because there's a lot of people in the world that want to make money with people who want to do things on their own, <clears throat> and you start to think that there's one way that you're supposed to do it or that they have the secret of how to do it. And everybody gets taken in with this idea that when something has, when something, when you're doing something of worth, that it has to be hard, mm. that you really have to work really hard at it. But the secret is if you really want something and you really believe in something, the thing that you do naturally well is the thing that you're going to succeed at. I always had this inclination, always, of trying to understand what people's soul's destiny is. I was always intrigued by this. I was always asking people, like, you know, you're, I'm at Staples checking out, and I'd ask the person, oh, you know, you're going to school or you're going to college or, you know, what do you want to do? <clears throat> and I can't even tell you how many people would tell me they don't know. They don't have any idea. And then I would say, well, they, I would say, well, what don't you like to do? Mm-hmm. That they knew. And I was like, well, you're halfway there. If you actually know what you don't like, now you have to think about what do you love? Mm-hmm. And what do you love to do that comes easily to you? And so for me, that was a question I used to ask myself when I was in high school. And the thing that I did naturally well was talk to people. So here I am becoming a speech therapist, (laughs) talking to people all the time. And then the other thing that I always did really well was um, just have compassion for people. So I feel like those things sort of worked together. But... The real truth is, is that along the way, I realized that I was really more of a conscious guide. I used to go to stores and people would 
just lay their whole life out for me. I'd be buying like a pair of underwear and they're telling me their entire life story, you know, um, while I'm shopping, you know, uh, and it's because we have a certain people like that have a certain energy that people can read. Mm-hmm. And even though they don't know they're reading it, they have a sense that they can trust people. And when you think about it, think about that. Think about the person that you stop and you ask directions to. Think about the person yeah. that you feel safe approaching those kinds of people because they're giving off a certain kind of energy. And so when you have a business, the energy that you put out to the people who you want to do business with are the people who you attract. Now, it sounds a little strange to think like that, but if you're so worried about making money Mm -hmm. and you're worried about how much money you're going to make, then the people you're going to wind up attracting are the people that are worried about spending money. Mm -hmm. If you are in business and you want to provide a service for a person because you want them to be able to achieve something in their life, right? So now that is your biggest goal. And so the people you wind up attracting are the people that want that solution. So it's a little bit of a perspective shift um, to think that way. And it's, it's a hard one because sometimes you get so caught up in the, in the end goal, the money goal, Mm -hmm. right. That you forget why you're doing what you're doing. Exactly. And the more you remember who you're doing it for and why you're doing it, the better you'll be at it. I agree. I agree. I do. And I think that also um, in general, I think there are so many experiences that you go through in life, you know, traumatic experiences that happen in your life. And we sit in the stories of those traumatic experiences and we think we are those stories. Mm. And we think that that's the block. But what I really believe is that those stories that come to us, even if they're traumatic, are come to teach us our resiliency. Are there there to be teachers to us to see, to show us actually how we can supersede those experiences. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about it, um, I used to say to my kids all the time, like, I really wish there was a way to teach you multiplication tables the same way you learn curse words. Because it seems like you learn all the curse words without even blinking. But when it came to multiplication, it was like a struggle, you know? So why is that? Why, Why does that happen? Well, it's because there's a fascination with those curse words. People feel empowered when they use their curse words. They feel like they're rebellious, they're strong, right? So who wouldn't want to do that, right? And multiplication tables weren't so exciting. But all of a sudden I had them standing on the top of the step, jumping down the stairs while they were doing it or jumping rope while they were doing it. And then it became like a mission To like be able to do those kinds of things without it just being so rote. I'm not going to tell you that's the trick for everyone, but sometimes you have to get out of the equipment that you're in and 
switch to something different. I love it because the connotation too, where we believe that if we learn the math and we do the thing that we're going to be labeled as smart and smart in our society in that age group isn't considered a positive thing. You know, it is as an adult, everybody wants to be smart, wants to be the best at their jobs, wants to do this. But as a kid, you don't want to be the smartest one. You know, you get picked on, you do this, you do that. So I think it's very interesting what you just said. And I think it's great that you turned it into this interesting, um, fascinating thing. Because the truth of it is, is the the interesting thing is, is that anybody that gets put in a box, whether it be smart or whether you need a little help, both ends are not great places to be at, mm-hmm. right? So it seems like everybody's achieving, they want you to achieve to be in the center. <laughs> so then you have to ask yourself, so why, why would the school want you to be in the center? Mm-hmm. Well, the reason is because it's easier. Yes. It is harder to be a teacher of a child that doesn't learn the same way as 80% of the students in the classroom. They have to break it up and do it a completely different way for you. That's challenging. Yeah. Also challenging to be with a student who's extremely bright, who figures it out way ahead of the curve. Now, what do you do with those kids? Mm. So middle is perfect for a teacher. And I'm not saying teachers aren't great people. I'm not saying that they're not wonderful. I love teachers. There's nothing to do with that. But the the truth is, is that the society has created a situation for teachers that they have to turn the information out. They have a certain amount of, they have a quota just like everybody else does in corporate America that they have to teach the kids what they have to teach. And when you think about it, even the reading programs, math programs that they use, whatever they do, they look at what the middle ground can achieve. They're not really looking at what the high achievers can do or what the kids that are a little different can do. And the kids that are different that can achieve it are led to believe that they're not smart, are led to believe that they are challenged, or whatever other wonderful words you want to use. But the truth is they just see it a different way. Exactly. Just the same way as the kids that are fast. Mm -hmm. They're not learning it the same way as everybody else either. It's just they figured out their own system and they figured it out quick. Mm -hmm. So example with the multiplication, because I think we, as parents, we need to teach our kids to do, to do that and to trust ourselves and, so I wanted to I wanted to ask you a little bit about your book. So sure. it, did it just get released in September of 2022? Yes, September 9th. Okay. Awesome. And the Audible book, the actual Audible book was just released last month. So well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So now you can listen or you can read it or you can do both. It's uh, yeah, it's really cool. Can you show us the book again for those oh, of us that are watching? I love that. Tell us a little bit about what the book, like how the book is read, like how you go through the book. Is it is it well, your story or is well, it? Well, it's my story, but it's not really written like a biography. It has 44 chapters. And when I say 44 chapters, some pages, some chapters are just like a page. And some of them are a couple of pages. And what I did was each chapter, the title of the chapter 
is a channeled message. And so when I first started writing this book, what ended up happening was one day, and I write the story, I wrote, told the story in the book, I just sat down and all of a sudden I was just writing. And I don't know, three hours later, I had these 44 headings. <laughs> and I thought that was my book. I thought I was done, done, you know, done. <laughs> and then my uh, <clears throat> coach said, well, I think maybe you could write something more with them, maybe like some personal experience or something that happens with them. So in each story, in each one, there's a channeled message. There's a, so there's a, there's a title. Then there's a little bit of a story that happens about either my life or something that happened um, that I reflect on. And then there's um, a juicy nugget or a uh, something to consider, something for you to think about. So I have never done this on the show before, but if you feel comfortable, can you mm -hmm. pick out one that's one page and read it to us? Okay, so now I have to find one. If you're, if you're, well, we can continue to talk, but if you're comfortable with that, I, sure. just, I think it would be really interesting and give people a real taste for um, you know, just one of the shorter ones, but I think it's, you know, writing a book is, is huge. I also, um, wrote a book in 2021. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And it, uh, it's also very short chapters and I think it just, it really helped me through my journey and my healing. And I know it's helping other people too. And it's interesting how sometimes things don't start off like a book. Like mine started off as kind of like a diary. Right. And then it becomes this healing thing for everybody. And I think it's so important that we read these types of books that people, because there's so much empathy and so much you know, you don't have to have an exact story to really feel for somebody or feel certain threads of that story be familiar and it can really help a lot of people once they once they go through that. Right. And the thing about this book was I didn't just want it to be about me. I wanted it to be because I consider myself to be like a consciousness guide. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted it to be this. This is a metaphor about me. And this is how you get to, to use it for yes, you. I love and it. This is how you get to expand it for you. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is, is that I am intuitive. And for me, what that means is that I'm a channel. So whether I'm looking at Oracle cards and channeling, or if I'm channeling you, like we did right when we picked up the conversation and I started talking to you about your empathic skills, it's me reading your energy. I'm an energy reader. That's You're spot on, spot oh. on. So that's like what I do. And so like in my Facebook group, Amplify Your Intuition, it is somebody turning in, I'm live and they're coming on, they're showing me their name and I'm pulling cards for them, reading their name, reading the energy from their name and I'm reading a card for you. And they're, I would say most of the time they're completely spot on. Mm. People will tell me they're spot on. And it's because I'm reading the energy. I don't, and I can do it by listening to your voice. A lot of my clients like to see me like we're doing right now, mm -hmm. but the truth is I can do it just by listening to you. Mm -hmm. Today, I spoke to a dear friend of mine that I haven't spoken to in a little while. Her father is passing away and she had a lot of pain about him and their relationship. 
And I told her how to break her soul contract with him to allow herself to heal from that contract that maybe he brought was brought into your life so that you could learn resiliency about your life and that you need to allow the contract to be dissolved. So the whole thing, I did a whole thing with her and we allowed her to dissolve the soul contract. 10 minutes later, she called me and told me he passed. Oh, wow. And it was because of what she did. He needed her to release him from the contract so that he could go on to the next part of his, his journey. I'd be interested in looking at that. So my story is, and my audience knows it's um, so I suppressed my feelings for 12 years when my father passed. And so there was a lot of, I couldn't let go of the suffering and all of that. That's what I would see all the time. It wasn't so much that I missed him. It was that I was angry that all the suffering had taken place. So it's almost like I had to put it upon myself for all that time after just, I don't know. I just felt guilty being happy and it'd be interesting to, to check out your group and, and, and get that experience. Um, I usually tell people who are talking about what you, yes, the group is great, but for something like what you're talking about, um, I would recommend that people call me on a one-on-one basis. Those things are, as much as I would love to be able to do groups for people, Yes, I always feel like people really want that to be on a one-on-one because they feel so, it feels so personal. Mm-hmm. And I've tried over the years doing like these group situations. And what I find is, over and over again, what people want is just to speak to me one-on-one mm-hmm. because yeah. so much of what is Specific being said yes. is, um, is very personal. Mm-hmm. I do do something, it's called soul plan reading, where I look at the name, your name, and I read your soul's destiny. And so that starts off in a group because I read everybody's as a group. And then I do a breakout where everybody gets their own one-on-one with me for 90 minutes Hmm. so that you get like a group and then you get the personal that works, but everybody needs that one-on-one for me with me to get a real more personal experience when I'm doing Oracle cards and I'm doing readings, those I do in front of everybody and um, it might be personal, but it's not really deep. Yes. I understand. Yeah. And I'm actually thinking of starting something new where I do this thing. It's called, I'm going to be, I'm calling it the frequency and I pull one card for the week. So you get like a frequency reading for the week of what to look out for. And then um, once a month I'll do a card just for you. And, um, I think that that's important because I think people really want to know it for them, not just the general, you know, and and amplify when I do amplify your intuition, I do a group reading for everyone. And then I do individual cards. That's really what you want. You want to know, well, what about me? It's going to impact your, yes. Me. Right. And I think for people who are getting it from me, they feel a sense of connection to me because they can't believe that I can do that with their name. Like they, they're like, how is she doing that? <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. So yeah. anyway, so I found a short chapter. It's called, awesome. it's chapter nine and it's called, we must change our energy to change our lives. <clears throat> so create a positive loving environment. We create clusters of connections. Do you ever notice when you meet a person who you resonate with because of who you both are. 
There are times in my life when I met a new person and it feels like I've already known them. Our relationship feels like we picked up after not seeing each other for a few months or even years. These friendships are effortless and evolve so easily. I feel like they already know me. I used to think I needed to guard myself from allowing my heart to trust these people. My instinct said it was safe to trust it. The truth was I second guessed myself for a long time. I never forgave myself for not listening to my sister to tell me not to trust my stepmother. I was little and I thought this was safe. It was a difficult relationship. And now still after Gerda, my stepmother passed away. I am still healing from that decision that that little girl of four made. I have forgiven that little girl. And I even told her that she made the best decision she could have made. I think I figured out what Gerda taught me, how to rely on myself and how to trust what I wanted. I needed to believe it and work to achieve it. I have found this process of becoming an intuitive life coach. The people I call my friends are people who I call seekers. They have a desire to live in each moment authentically. They are connected to how they want to live their life. These people who I call my friends are motivated to experience life fully. They have chosen to find a way to choose the way they want to live. When you think you can choose how you want life to unfold, you come to, to a different motivation. Having passion in your work, relationships, and the way you face your day, your creative positive momentum. I didn't actively seek people like this, but when I took a look around, these are the people I engage with. The friends I have met more recently support my back and through all my inner growth and accepted me as an intuitive long before I did. They saw me and what could see and nurtured all my steps. There are people in your life that you are born to and people in your life you choose to surround yourself with. It becomes the family you make. When I began to shift the people, the conversations I had with the people shifted. We attract who you desire to be around and surround ourselves with. The people who you are with should also allow you to be your most authentic self. So this is a channel, which I write in each chapter, channel. Giving permission, which is a message that I get from my spiritual guides. Giving permission to allow yourself to step into who you believe you desire to be is your shining moment. Where are you? Get to clear who you simply are without holding the energy of how by doing that. You, name it, you may not be holding energy for other people in your life. We are the door. But the truth is, my sweet, you are holding their energy for too long, holding them captive in their own immaturity and fear of owning what is theirs. It is theirs. It is their burden. It is not yours to carry and gently give it back to them with love and compassion to hold them most capable of being and able to manage to see their own soul's destiny through, to see and release. I don't know if you hear all that dinging. Do you hear it? So when that happens, I'm not touching my phone or anything, so or my computer. That's the angels acknowledging that what I'm saying is accurate. What I'm saying is true. Hmm. So it's, that's their way of, of chiming in. Um. It is part of their life's work and life's destiny. Continue to hold it for them. Prevents them from feeling the pain and releasing the judgment of all the years they've had onto holding their value against what they were doing. Instead of seeing 
what their value was, who they are. We are the reapers of the earth and of the planet. The energy that we hold attracts energy to us. That are like your energy. It is no longer to attract people who you can show your worth to. Your energy is now to attract people who discovered or want to be discovered on their own. And the affirmation for this chapter is in every moment to you have to have compassion for who I am. And the inspiration that is that abundance actually lies with it. That's so beautiful. I'm so happy I asked you to do that because I could tell, you know, it's not just the writing is beautiful, but it's the feeling and it's just grounding and it's just so beautiful and you learn so much and really makes you pay attention. So thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, it's my pleasure to read it. And <laughs> I, I get people all the time um, tell me that sometimes, and, and when you read this, but when you get this book, I tell people you don't have to read it in order. Mm. You can go to the back of the book and you can look at the affirmations and say, gee, what do I need to learn today? How to get unstuck, acceptance. And then you can go to that chapter. Or you can go to the front and read the title and say, oh, this is what that's doing it for me today. And you just turn to that chapter. There's not particularly, you can go any which way you want, read one Trust chapter. Trust your instinct. Trust yeah. your intuition. Just open yes. <laughs> Right, exactly. Just pick wherever you want to go. Right. Oh, that's and great. You might find you never read a specific chapter. Like that happens. People will read like <laughs> chapter nine, 10 times, but they won't read chapter 22, you know, and that's okay. That's great. That's wonderful. It's going to help a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. I have one more question for you before, sure. before we get ready to, to end our conversation, sadly. Um, <laughs> well, you can call me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I gave, I gave you that uh, free intuitive test and on the bottom of it is a reading. So if you want one, you just have to call me. Excellent. Excellent. And yes, if, if we haven't mentioned it already, um, I'm just going to give you guys the, I'm just looking for the link here, or maybe you have it on the top of your, top of your mind for the quiz. Can you give us, if anybody wants to go and check out the quiz? I will give you the link in the chat. Just a second. Yeah. Cause I'm looking for it as well, but, um, I believe it's your name, Robin S. Pollock dot com slash free dash quiz um yeah hang on I'm, i got it right here so i'm just gonna give it to no you no problem oh i found it here here it is yeah. wonderful and i'll put it all in the show notes and you guys go and check out her free quiz it's like a five minute quiz so so i'm gonna take a lot of time it's fun yeah. yeah yeah for sure that's awesome now one of the questions i have or my my final question for you tonight <laughs> is you know, sometimes I find that when we finally give permission to ourselves to give something to ourselves, it changes everything. What True. would you say would be your biggest gift or maybe one of your gifts that you allowed, that you gave to yourself that changed either your opinion of yourself or the projection of where things went in your life? Like, what is the biggest gift you were able to give to yourself because many people don't give themselves gifts and this podcast is all about how we need to take care of ourselves and give ourselves permission um, so that we can make that impact in other people's lives positive impact I think the biggest gift I gave to myself was love hmm. and not 
looking for it from someone else, but giving it to me. Hmm. And I think that the second one is compassion. Compassion for myself to be human and to lose it sometimes and to not have it all together sometimes. And I think the third one is um, trust. Hmm. Just trusting that if I don't feel like it or if it doesn't feel right to me that that's good enough that I don't have to explain it I don't have to people don't have to like it either um but if it doesn't feel right to me mm. then that's good enough because I spent too many time too many years apologizing for getting angry apologizing for not doing it right and the truth is is that no one does no one gets it right all the time People lose their cool. People become over-emotional. And actually, I like those people. (laughs) Because when you lose your cool and you become over-emotional, it means you have passion. Mm. And sometimes people get loud because they're passionate. And I think that that just means that you have the ability to share what's in your heart. You know, and I'm not talking about onto other people. I'm not talking about being violent or doing other things to other people, but I mean, to be composed all the time and to never get angry and to never this and never that is not a healthy way to be. Mm -hmm. And um, really just trusting that what I know and what I believe is enough, that I don't need 10 people to agree with me, that I can believe it. And I stopped buying all the classes and all the courses. I stopped doing all of that. Um, I'm pretty much self-taught as a psychic. I never really read all the books and did all that stuff. I sort of just allowed myself to surrender. I worked with one particular mentor um, every couple of weeks and um, just stepped into what was already there for me. And actually, when I do coaching with people, I do it as the person presents themselves to me. But I really don't encourage people to speak to me every week. I encourage people to maybe speak to me the first three sessions every week and then like space it out. Because trusting yourself is the most important thing that you can do. And Shifting your trust to me Mm. allows you not to listen to yourself. Like you're giving them tools so that they can do it on their own. That's the best thing that they can do is not need you after a while. Right. Right. And the thing about it is, is that, so that's like when I do coaching, like I do spiritual coaching and, you know, so that's what I do. But when I'm teaching somebody how to read Oracle cards, I want you to learn, listen to what I'm suggesting, try it out. Then come back to me in three weeks. Tell me what's working. Tell me what's not working. Tell me how it's going. Tell me how it's not going. And let's go from there. Mm -hmm. Because if you speak to me every week, you don't have the time to actually (laughs) play around with it. Look at yours. And you need to be able to do that because because it's it's sort of like a recipe, you know? I, I am not teaching you how to bake a cake where you have to measure it a quarter teaspoon flat. I'm teaching you how to cook. 
So I don't know. I might like more salt than you do. Mm-hmm. You might like more pepper. None of it's wrong. It's all perfect. And if you feel that it needs more pepper or you want it to be spicy, then have it be that you're way. Happy with it, as long as you are happy with it. Right. It's like exactly answer. right. Yeah. And when you said love is the first thing that was the gift, it's like so empowering. You really do feel everything changes when you start believing in yourself and trusting in yourself. Everything. Well, a long time ago, I don't know um, what relationship you have in your life. I feel like you have a one, you have a longstanding relationship with somebody. It's the sense I get. You have a longstanding relationship with somebody. But I don't think that when you started that relationship, you really were in love with yourself. And when you learned how to love yourself, your relationship with that person completely shifted because you weren't expecting that person to fulfill that for you. You were already doing that to yourself. true. A hundred percent true. And then it affects all the other relationships you have because you already know what you can bring. Mm. And then you're not looking for it from all these other people. Yeah. The validation comes from within is the best validation. Yeah. You you can't, you, it's not that you can't, you can't, like the people do it all the time. It's just that, um, the scariest thing to do is to know you're enough. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you're not nervous. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that like, if I have to go speak in front of 300 people that I don't get like butterflies in my stomach. Mm-hmm. It just means I do it anyway. And do you find that the more you trust yourself, the more demanding you are of yourself, which is a good thing. Um, the more I trust myself, the more I allow myself to explore new adventures. Mm. Right now I'm writing a novel. It's a biography. It's a novel. (laughs) So like the concept that I'm writing a novel is, is hysterical to me, you know? (laughs) And I, and yeah, so, I mean, I, you push yourself because no matter whether it succeeds or not, you're trying, you're trusting you're doing the thing you know you're not just pausing which is great i'm i'm trusting that the story will resonate with other people Hmm. that's the reason why i do any writing i do is because i feel like the story is compelling enough that other people will find it inspiring or entertaining Mm -hmm. because it's a novel but even within a novel if you think about it i don't know if you guys are readers but even a novel has an underlying message. You know, um, I'm watching lately on Netflix, I've been watching Emily in Paris and everybody's like, oh, you know, it's just such a fun show. And it is, but there's an underlying message in there. It's about independence. It's about trust. It's about believing in yourself, knowing who you are. So, I mean, even that show that's really all about fashion and fun and has an underlying risk. It's about taking risks. Right. So, I mean, I think that any great thing has that. Mm. It just has to have that other piece to it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be compelling. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation today. I did too. And I hope I get to speak to you when you call me. And 
And it asked me, you know, it's funny, I'm doing this, um, I'm recreating my website. And one of the things that I decided to do was make a menu of all the things that I do because I do so many things. And I don't really like to call myself anything other than an intuitive. I And the lists, um, there are people who give you lists. I'm a Reiki master and this and that. And I'm all those things. But I feel like... Um, the most important thing is for people to feel that they can trust me enough to call me and want more information for themselves. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that if you feel that you can't trust the person that you're speaking to. Right. Absolutely. Very important. Yeah. And I'm also, I just wanted to say, I'm also on TikTok. It's Robin Pollock Coaching. And I have um, channeled messages on there and stuff like that if anybody wants to just listen to anything that I've done. So just letting you that's know. great. So that's great. Yeah, I'm going to put all the links up for everyone to check it out. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I look it's forward been to a pleasure it really has been a pleasure. Oh, I'm so glad. And um, yeah, I can't wait to check out your book. It sounds it's beautiful. Oh, I see a doggy there. I love that's my Cooper here. Let me see. <laughs> Look here. Hi, yeah. Cooper. <laughs> if you want to see Cooper, you guys have to watch on YouTube. Yeah. Because you can't see him on the audio version. Oh, he's beautiful. And just to let you know, my intuition brought me to him. I found him on Instagram. Really? Yes. <laughs> I found him on Instagram. I fell in love with him. I contacted the breeder who was in Ohio. And we met um, and we were going to, I was going to go, oh, it's 10 hours, 10 hours away from where I live. My husband's like, oh my God, that's too far. And my daughter's like, ask her if she meets you in the middle. And I did. And she said, yes. And we have Cooper. That's awesome. And, and we you got know him a week before COVID happened. Oh, perfect. Perfect. He just needed that home. Oh, that's amazing. The COVID pup. <laughs> I'm sure he got lots of love during that time. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was so wonderful to speak to you. I hope you call me. Yes. And thank you so much for teaching everybody and just, you know, enlightening us with all of these new things that we think about. This might be a new topic for a lot of people. But like you said, we all have intuition. We just need to learn to listen to it. Yeah. To trust it. To yeah. trust it. Not just trust it when the pipes break. When someone has a fever. <laughs> thank you, Robin. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.